the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Good morning, church. Somebody shrunk my iPad. Uh, my iPad gave up the ghost in my office a few minutes ago. I don't know how Paul did it. <laughs> Just teasing. It's good to see you this morning. Whether you're a regular attender here, or you're visiting, or you're watching online, um, we have people join us online live literally all around the world. Uh, by the end of the week, hundreds and hundreds of people have joined into the service. And, and uh, we all have this one thing in common. God is incredibly in love with your heart. And man looks on the outward, but God looks at your heart. Because that's the part that matters. Amen? If you would tell the person next to you that God is incredibly in love with their heart, would you do that? Psalm 126. The title of the message is, Are We There Yet? Psalm 126. beginning at verse number one. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless Come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I want to focus on what the Lord has focused my heart on, and that is the very first verse. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. When? Would you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me this morning? Father, I, I've been burdened by your spirit to share your heart. And so I, I just ask you, God, that you would help me to disappear. I pray that you would help me to just be a vessel that you use to share your heart. Holy Spirit, let's be honest. You're the only one that can accomplish this task. It's you who guides us into truth. It's you that reveals. 
It's you that brings light into darkness. And so I, I just release you, Holy Spirit, to do what you do so well. And I thank you, God, for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody in here ever been to Disney World? It's just the happiest place on earth. Years ago, we were in Disney World, and I saw a kid crying. And I thought, that shouldn't be allowed in Disney World. Everybody is supposed to be happy in Disney World. As parents, it was a joy for Gail Beth and I to set out for Disney World. It was a joy the years and years and years ago. JJ was, I don't know, three, four years old. How old was he when we took him on the Disney cruise? Six? See how bad I am at ages. And we... We, we got on the cruise ship, you know, long before it left the dock, and we quickly found a place near the pool, the kiddie pool, so he could get into the pool that was shaped like Mickey Mouse's face. And there were tons of other kids his age. And real close to the pool, I mean, just 20 feet away, was an ice cream machine. You could walk up and get soft serve. And... J.J. went from playing in the pool for 15 or 20 minutes to the ice cream machine to sit down at the table and eat the ice cream with, it, with us, and then he'd get back into the pool. And he had made this circuit about three times in the course of an hour and a half. And on his third trip to the ice cream machine, he came, to, he came and sat down, and he was licking his ice cream. I said, buddy, are you having fun? He goes, the good times have begun. <laughs> Listen, swimming and eating ice cream, it, and it doesn't get any better than that. It's just, that's, that's heaven on earth. But it was a, a joy for us as parents to take a kid to Disney World. As a side note, Gail, Beth, and I were there just a couple of years ago. It was just us. We left early. We found out that taking our kids to Disney World was the best part of Disney World. That just, that's the truth. But you can imagine, just like so many other families, you get in your car and you head out to Disney World, then you get asked a question as the dad... Are we there yet? No, son, we got 21 hours of driving. 20 minutes later. Are we there yet? How much longer? That just seems kind of part of our nature as humans sometimes, doesn't it? Especially when we're anticipating something good happening. We, we want to know... Not just that the good thing is going to happen, but we want to know when. Imagine on that Disney World trip, if the child in the back seat took the attitude of many Christians. 
we start on a journey, we, we are heading in a place that we want to go. And you know, that child trusts the driver, that trusts that the driver knows where they're going, know that they have provision to get there, trust that the driver is going to do it safely and quickly as possible. There's a lot of trust from that child in the backseat and the driver that when I get there, it's going to be enjoyable. It's going to be worth the journey. Imagine if the child in the back seat took the attitude of a lot of Christians today. Because I'm sure that that 20-hour journey to the child in the back seat felt like a year. What if the child started to ask questions? Do you really know how to get there? Do we have enough money when we get there? Are you just going to drive me by and look at the outside of it? Or are we really going to get inside? You know, Dad, we, we left hours ago, and I'm looking out the window, and I don't see no Disney World. Are you sure you know where you're going? Dad, I heard Disney World tickets cost a lot of money. Do you have enough money to get us in? Dad, we're going to need a place to stay. Have you arranged for that? And as the journey gets farther, I don't think we're ever going to make it, Dad. You told me 10 hours ago we were heading for Disney World, and I'm seeing mountains. I'm seeing signs that advertise Billy Bob's Barbecue Pizza Chinese Food Emporium. <laughs> that don't look like Disney World to me. Somewhere in the southern part of Kentucky, you stop and get gas, and the kid gets out and says, why are we stopping? We're, we're not there yet. Why is this taking so long? If the child in the back seat takes on the attitude of many Christians, by the time you hit the Florida line, it's, I don't even think I'm your son anymore. You promised me Disney World. I'm seeing Flatland. If you hit Florida at the right time of the year, they literally have places where you can pull off and high-pressure hoses will spray on your windshield because the bugs are like a fog down there. They will literally gum up your windshield that you can't keep up with all the bugs. Dad, this don't look like Disney World to me. You can't even see where we're going anymore. That child has to have a confidence in the driver. Can, can I tell you something? Can I tell you as a Christian that not knowing when should not change our relationship with God? When we start that journey as that child, we, we have full faith and confidence that the one that's leading us is, knows how to get there and, 
and, and has paid the price to prepare, and that eventually, if I just hold on, I'm going to get to my destination. Thankfully, there was never a time that we set out for Disney World that at some point in time, we didn't go under this big arch that says, welcome to the happiest place on earth. Every time we set out, we got there. Why don't we afford God the same faith and trust? You know, there are parts of that journey to Disney World that just takes a long time. It's 21 hours of driving, essentially, if you drive straight through. If you stop halfway, you may be in some run-down, dirty, flea-bitten hotel room for a night. Why do we lose our confidence in God? Because he doesn't do it when we think he should. Why do we begin to question whether or not he loves us? Can you imagine that kid in the back seat halfway through Georgia? Dad, I don't think you love me. I don't think you love me. It has taken us six years to get this far, and we're only in Georgia. I don't think you love me, Dad. You promised me something, and I'm not seeing it. Do you know that the promises in God are in him, yes and amen? I, I want to tell you, as somebody that has a few years under my belt of wrestling with their relationship with God, can I tell you the greatest thing you can do is just begin to trust the process? Listen, the reality is the only thing in question is when. Everything else is already predetermined. Everything else is already sealed. Everything that God does for you is for our good always. Everything. He will never leave the righteous forsaken. He will never have his seed begging bread. From the start until the finish. He is the God of the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. When you're born again, you become his child. You never cease being his child. And he wants eagerly to bless your socks off. He loves to give. He's a loving, forgiving, and giving God. He will give as much as he can give to you without you getting to the place that you think you don't need him anymore. <clears throat> so the only thing limiting what you get is you. The only thing limiting what I get is me. Every parent loves to give their kids candy, Ice cream. When JJ made the rounds from the pools, it just filled Gail Bess in my heart with joy. What laughter when he said the good times had begun. 
We didn't get upset about that. There wasn't a, whoa, whoa, son, sit down. What do you mean by that? You just need to behave yourself. It did our hearts good to see him have that much fun. I want you to know that your heavenly father is the same way. Now, if there had come a time when J.J. is like, he's eating his 17th ice cream cone and he's looking a little green, we would have told him, hey, bud, back off the ice cream for a bit. But we wanted him to enjoy all that he could enjoy. I want you to know something. Your heavenly father is just eager to bless you. There is no stone he won't leave unturned. The question is not whether or not he'll fix this mess in your life. The question is not whether or not in the end it will be better. The writer of Psalms 126 says, Lord, when you turned our captivity, in other words, when you turned everything around, God, we were like men that dream. It was like, you know what a dream is? Yeah, a dream is that thing that you can't imagine it being any more than that. You can't imagine it being any better. And this writer says, Father, you turned our captivity. Do you understand the turnaround? Captivity is you're in prison. You don't call your own shots. You don't eat what you want to eat. You don't go where you want to go. You don't do what you want to do. And they said, God, when you turned it around, we became men that, men like dreamers, like, yeah, pinch me, is this real? Is it okay for me to be this happy? I've been asked that question as a pastor. Somebody gets saved and they've seen the thing that God has done in their heart. And they said, Pastor, is it okay to be this happy? I said, have at it. Your heavenly father wants you to be blessed. Listen to me. You've got, we've got to get to the place as believers that you know the destination is going to be worth the journey. There's no equivocation in these verses. He that goes forth bearing precious seed shall. That's a promise from God. They shall rejoice. And God is not a God, like, is not a man that can lie. God's promises are in him, yes and amen. If he said it, he will perform it. I feel like the Holy Spirit is trying to do a reset in some hearts today because you've left out from where you were at and you're headed to a destination and it's taking longer than you thought it would take. And God's trying to tell you, just stand your ground. Don't lose faith in the one who started you on this journey. You are his workmanship. Listen, I, I want to tell you something. It, it would help all of us to get to the place that we understand this. There is a God, and it's not you. If God does everything your way on your timetable, he's not God anymore. You are. 
And he may perfect that which concerns you, but I want to tell you, he will always do it on his timetable. You will never rush him, nor will he ever be one moment late. So God, when you, when, when you turned our captivity, listen, you need to know something. In your situation right now, no matter what you face, regardless of how low it's gotten, regardless of how bad it is, there's a win. You need to know that. There's a win already built in. Look with me if you would. Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. God speaking to his church. He says this, Revelation 2 verse 10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. Is about to. Can I tell you if the word, only words you ever get from God are good words, then it may not be God you're hearing. Sometimes he'll just cut you to the quick. Sometimes you'll even know that it ain't going to work the way you thought it was going to work. Listen, God is speaking to his church here, and he knows ahead of time the devil's coming. Listen to me for a moment. We'll get to the why in a few minutes. But he knows ahead of time the devil's coming and what the devil's going to do, and he does nothing about it. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation. Ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Listen here. Be faithful, and I will give you. Be faithful ten days, and I will give you. I I hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can grasp what he's saying here. He says, there's a problem coming. I see what the enemy is going to do. And I understand it's difficult, and I understand it's tribulation. But I also want you to understand, I've got a pre-built win in here. It's not going to go on for 11 days or 14 days. Though the devil may be doing it, God says, I determine the win. And I will take that which was meant for your evil, and I will use it for your good. But that evil is going to last as long as I need it to last to do my work in you. 
And in this case, it's 10 days. I wonder how many times we've given up on day nine. I wonder how many times when we needed to go through something for a month, we gave up on the 15th of the month. And we, we missed out. We, we gave up because we quit believing God. Or worse, we got upset because God didn't do it when we thought he should. Dad, are we there yet? You know what that wind tells me? There's a plan. You know what that word tells me? The devil isn't doing anything that God doesn't know about. God's talking to his people and he says, hey, I, I want you to know I, I see exactly what he's doing. And here's what he's doing. He's going to get some of you and put you in prison so that you can be tested. He said, and I predetermined it's going to last 10 days. And then I'm getting you out. God is not, listen to me for a moment, God is not reacting to your situation. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Before you went into this season you're in, he had a plan to get you out. Job chapter 23. Tell me if you've ever felt like this. Job chapter 23 verse 2. Job here is talking and he says this. Even today, my complaint is bitter. My hand is listless because of my groaning. Oh, that I know where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. I would present my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. You ever been there with God? Man, I'm just so sick and tired of this season I'm in. I wish I could find God so I could get up in his face and tell him exactly what I feel. He obviously doesn't understand. He needs my perspective. I would present my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. And I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in his great power? No. But he would take note of me. There the upright could reason with him. And I would be delivered forever from my judge. Look, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. And when he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested 
me. I shall come forth as gold. I want to tell you something. The process increases your value. The process increases your value. It, the process takes junk out of your heart. How many know what I'm talking about? You ever had God do? No, you have. You have. And maybe you're like Job. You don't see it. He said, I can't find him. I, I look ahead. He's not there. I look behind me. He's not there. There's junk happening in my left hand, and I can't believe that would be God. There's stuff happening in my right hand, and I don't see him in it. I wish I could just find him. And then he says, but when? When he's done testing me, I'm going to come out like gold. You're going to come out like gold. The question is not the result. The result is never the question. The question is when? When? Turn to the person nearest you and tell them you're getting better. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. Ecclesiastes 3, 1. To everything, there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. You, you, any one of us, if you have the money, I understand Disney World's back open again. If you got the money and the time and the wherewithal, you can get in a vehicle and you can drive down to Disney World and you pay them money and they will let you play. You can ride their rides, you can play their games, you can listen to their bands, you can watch their entertainers, you can eat their food for more money, you can drink their drinks for more money. But there will come a time when they tell you to go home. Get out of the park. They say it's the happiest place on earth, but they'll make you go away. We close at 9 today. At 9 o'clock, you're to be out of the park. The season of Disney World for that day is over. Do you know as believers we go through seasons? There are seasons when it's no fun. You ever been there? Seasons when you have messed it up so bad you're sure you're greater than God because he can't fix this. And he just wants you to know you are a puny, petty little God. Because as Jesus said, he casts out demons with his finger. He doesn't even have to move his whole hand to fix the mess you've made. He just needs you to stay engaged. The outcome is not in question. Sometimes as a pastor, you don't have words to fix people's problems. You can, you, can, you can feel compassion for their struggle. 
But the reality is nothing you say is going to take them out of the season they're in. All you can do is look them in the eye and say, brother, sister, just hold on. Our God is good. Our God is really, really good. And there's, what's never in question is about how good this is going to turn out. You will come out as pure gold. Galatians tells us that there is a due season. You know when we, we see the most sparks in our relationships? That's when we run into somebody who's in a different season than we are. You're in a season of life where it's just, you can't, you're like Job. I wish I could get up in his face. Stuff's happening on my left. I can't see him. It's happening on my right. I can't see him. If I go backwards, he's not there. If I look forward, he's not there. You're in that place. You're in that season in your life, that time frame. And then you run into somebody who's in the opposite season. Jesus is good. My popcorn tastes better. Okay, God is so good. My popcorn tastes better than popcorn has ever tasted in my life. I've had soft drinks just appear in my refrigerator. God is so good. And you just want to bash them. You need to understand that not everybody's going through the life at the same pace and same season you are. And listen, if you're in a season where things are up here, that ain't no time to judge the person whose season is down here. Because I want to tell you something. If you do that when you're there, God says, I think you need a reminder. <laughs> 40 years ago, 35 years ago, I had to go through a medical test where they, they needed to go into my stomach and take a sample of the lining of my stomach. And the way that they do that is they take this tube it's about as big around as a pencil and they shove it up your nose they put a bunch of goop up your nose they squirt a bunch of like maple syrup up your nose and they run that thing up your nose and down your throat and it gets down in there then they run something up inside of it you know yeah we never got that done (laughs) Uh, it's not that we didn't try it's not that we didn't try the technician, she was, she was good at what she did. I have a tough gag reflex. I'm just, that's just me. And you have to swallow it. I mean, you can feel it obviously going up your nose and down your throat. And when it gets to a certain point, they can't just ram it through. You've got to swallow it. Well, I didn't want to swallow it. I want that thing out. And so I'm, you know, other preachers don't have to tell these stories. Why do I got to tell them? <laughs> I never tell, hear other preachers tell stories on themselves. And I, I just couldn't swallow it. And I'm gagging and I'm choking. You know, this technician, I'd met her moments earlier. We worked for 25 or 30 minutes. I did everything I know to get it down. I couldn't get it down. But finally she said, okay, we're, we're done. We're, we're not doing this anymore. 
And she pulled the tube out, and I finally got another look at her face. And tears are running down her face. I said, what are you crying about? I'm the one trying to swallow a pipe. And she says, the hospital requires us to go through this for ourselves twice a year so we don't lose sight of what it feels like. And she said, I just went through this yesterday. And I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry you're having a hard time with this. I understand. Can I tell you that when, when, when you go through life, when you get in that season where they're not trying to shove the pipe up your nose, you need to have compassion on the one who's in the chair. Come on, this is good stuff. Because for everything, there is a season. We, we Christians get stupid because Matt goes through a bad season. We think that Matt's bad. But in reality, God is refining Matt. Well, that's a word. God is reinvesting in Matt. God sees something in Matt that God likes, and he says, I want to... I want more of that, and for me to get more of that for Matt, for Matt to finally have a day come, a season come, when he says, Lord, when you turn my captivity around, it was like I was living a dream. In Psalm 126, they said, Lord, turn our captivity around again. <coughs> Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap. In due season, we shall reap. If we do not lose heart. In due season... You know, we, we, we think of due as a bad thing. You get a bill in the mail and it says payment due date on that date. Or if you're in trouble, past due. I want to tell you something. In the economy of God, in the spiritual realm, God is never past due. Let's close it with this. Let's, let's put this all together. He told the church in Revelation 2, he said, listen, I see the enemy coming. I'm just going to expound on what he said. I see him coming, and I know exactly what he's going to do. He's going to come after you, and he's going to imprison some of you. He thinks he's winning this. It's going to feel like he's winning you ever been there? It's going to seem like he's winning. But I've already scheduled your deliverance. It's ten days later. God's saying, in ten days, I'm going to show up and tell the devil 
okay, it's due season. They're due something now. They held on to the end. I wish we could get that. You know what that holding on is? It's just, you've seen the posters when it says, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot in it. That's what I think. I want to tell you something. I understand there are those preachers out there that will tell you that living for God is like tiptoe through the tulips with Tiny Tim. I get it. But that's another gospel. The real gospel says there are times that all you can do is hold on. There will be times when you doubt that God loves you. There will be times that you doubt that he has a plan. There will be times that you doubt he can fix this. There will be times when you are sure you never got saved. Hold on. Because the only thing in question is not whether or not God can turn this for your good. The only thing in question is when. And it will happen exactly when God determines that it's in your best interest. Would you stand to your feet this morning? He does everything on his timetable. And listen to me. He'll leave the 99 and come after you. Now listen, I, I, I understand. We Christians like to talk that, about that verse as if he's going after somebody who's not saved. You know, if, if that works for you, I guess float that boat. But he says if a shepherd has... So the one that's missing is one of his. You get that? When God engages you, he engages you on a very personal level. It's never about what's good for Jeff. He'll work through Matt or he'll change how he's going to relate to Matt. Every one of us works out our own salvation. I grew up with an alcoholic father. I, I know what that does to a human life. And I, I thank God for the good memories. I've long ago forgiven him for the bad. And there came a time when my dad gave his heart to, to God. And there was a part of me that, that longed for the days that were ahead that he and I could sit down and talk Bible together that we could share with each other. I, I could ask my dad to pray for me. And days later, he died. Man, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I struggled with that for a long time. And I was angry at God. God that doesn't make any sense. He just got saved and... There's so much we could have done together. There's, you know, I no longer needed him to say, I'm sorry. But, you know, hey, let's be honest. It would have been nice. Can we be real? I wanted there to be a connection that we never had before. And he was gone. And for years, for years, that was a, a stone in my shoe. I struggled with that. I said, God, why did he, he die? 
And then one day, as only God can do, when the testing was over for me, okay, when I was finally to the place in my life, I was willing to let God be God and determine the when. He told me why the when. And he said, son, I took your dad the moment he was sure of heaven. And then I'm like, you are so brilliant. Of course. What better time to take him than when his eternity is sealed with him being in heaven? And how selfish of me to wish he'd stayed down here longer. You're here this morning and it's a tough time for you. God, God shared with my heart that I'm going to be speaking today with, to people, whether it's in person here or through the means of the video, through the means of the video. But there's, there's people here going through a drought. You are unbelievably thirsty for good times again with God. You look behind you and you see nothing but desert and you look before you and you see nothing but desert and God wants you to know before you ever stepped into the season your when was already scheduled. And between now and that when don't lose heart. Don't forget who you are. Just hold on. Father, I just pray. I just pray, God, for those that have heard these words. I, I pray that I've been as, 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 as effective as I, I could be to share your heart. And yet, Holy Spirit, I know that you've done the, the, the heavy lifting today. You have spoke to people's hearts. I just pray, God, that they be more than hearers of the word this morning, that they be doers of it. That they be doers of it, Father. I pray for freedom right now. I pray for freedom, God, in somebody's heart right now. That has even allowed themselves to grow bitter, God. Bitter against your church. Bitter against you. I pray for peace and freedom in their heart. Father, I expose the deception of the lies. That individual is loved by you passionately. And your ability to do good far exceeds their ability to do bad. And your ability to restore them far exceeds their ability to mess up what you've already done. God, with you, you're not the God of second chances. You're the God of first chances. Because when we ask you to forgive us, then our sin is cast away as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. I just pray for the strength that your people need, that we need, God, in this season that we're in. And I thank you, Father, for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast.
podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounters.